0: It has been a while since the last time I had a chance to preach in our services. Uh, actually, it's been a month. February 2nd was the last time that I uh, was able to preach, and uh, we've had a number of great speakers who have filled in. Randy Sprinkle was here on the 9th, and I was actually in attendance of at those services. And then, of course, a couple weeks ago, you heard from Steve Blummer, and then last week you heard from our church planter, Shane Caldwell, and I know you've heard some good words, but it's been quite a journey since the last time I was with you on February 2nd. I want to share just a little bit about that journey with you today and some things that the Lord's been teaching me out of that journey. Um, when I left here on the 2nd of February, I went home and threw together a quick bag and I traveled to Florida uh, to, with my brother to see my parents. Many of you know that both of my parents have been were ill for quite a while and my father fortunately is, is, seems to be getting stronger in the moment. Um, but uh, mom was still about the same, and so we traveled down together, and I got there Sunday night, and I stayed until Tuesday morning, and uh, so I could spend all day Monday with them, and Monday night actually while I was there is when I got the phone call from from here that uh, my long-term secretary, uh, a person who's a long-term member of our church, somebody who's been a part of of the orbit of my life for well over a decade had had a serious stroke, Uh, and Carol Albee, uh, many of you are aware of that, 47 years of age. She can't move, so she can't hit me right now, so I can tell you how old she is. But it's a, it's a young young age to have a significant stroke. And at that point, and even as to today, she still is paralyzed on her left side and can't see really at, uh, out of her left eye at all and has some struggles with her vision out of her right eye as well. And So just getting all the prayer things energized from Florida as a part of that and then getting up early Tuesday morning and flying home. Um, and uh, saying goodbye to my mom about 6 a.m., and, and greeting my dad, and then getting back in and going directly to the hospital uh, that night uh, to see Carol and her family, and, um, and uh, it was, wasn't was easy in those moments, and then mm-hmm. the next day, we were supposed to have our staff meeting, but as you know, we were getting snow. We seem to be getting a lot of that lately, right? So we had set it all up. We were going to do a video conference, and so I had my laptop out at my table, and at the house, and we were about ready to get started. In fact, Ken and, and Steve were already online, and Christina was getting ready to dial in, and was, we were supposed to start at 1, and it was about two minutes to 1. And my phone rang, and it was my sister, Mar- Joanne, who lives just a half mile from my folks, and she simply said, Mom's gone. So um, it was an interesting moment, really, in, in many ways. And um, we tried to press through a staff meeting, and I made it about 45 minutes or so before we we canceled it, and then we still hadn't gotten a hold of my sister, Marsha, who was on our way to Poland at the time from Tampa, where she's beginning her next assignment on mission work. So the next evening, I was up to the, to the hospital uh, again to see Carol and her, and her family, and uh, I left. Uh, Christina was with me. We left to come home. It was probably about 7 o'clock or so, and before we got home, I got a call from Kevin saying that they had decided to do emergency surgery on Carol to remove a part of her skull so they could Relieve the pressure on her head, and so I turned right around and went back and, and spent the remainder of the evening with them, and there were a number of folks from Hope Chapel there, and then on Friday and on Saturday, I did funerals here, one from Helen McBrain, uh, probably our l- oldest living person who was active here at Hope Chapel, and then also for Gina Ross's mom, Emmy, and, um, and then uh, it was just a draining week, so Randy preached that week, and then the next week, I tried to get myself ready to go to Rwanda, and lo and behold, I was supposed to leave on Thursday, and it was going to snow. And so I was trying to find a way out. And, you know, I had a flight on Delta to get down there on Wednesday and to, to get down to, uh, I'm sorry, on Thursday to get down to Washington, D.C., but you'd call them up and say, well, the callback time was over four hours because, as if you remember, Atlanta was iced over. Actually, it took them 13 hours to return my call when I returned the call, I was actually on Amtrak on my way to D.C. I'd actually bought a ticket on, on the railway. And the last thing I did on that Wednesday before I left was stop by the hospital and see Carolyn and, and Kevin and get a chance to pray with them and travel there and eventually made my way over to Rwanda where I had a tremendous week. I, just, I really just asked the Lord to kind of hold my grief back so that I could h- kind of teach and, and preach from a, a spirit of joy. With the guys, and there were 57 guys who were together for the week, and I'll show you a photo or two in just a moment. I got a chance to teach them the Book of Acts, and and um, and then I traveled home through D.C. and had a wonderful seven-hour, half-hour layover in D.C. last Saturday uh, before I made my way down to Tampa, uh, where on this past Tuesday we uh, buried my mom, and. And Slowly, one by one, family began to peel away. Uh, my brother traveled back to New Hampshire on Wednesday. And my sister left for Poland on thursday and then Christina and I flew back on on Friday and um went directly by the Whittier Rehab place to see Carol and we made our way home. You know in the middle of the week- middle of this past week, one of our elders was ready himself to speak on Sunday today if he needed to depending on where I was at, and he'd been working on a message, and he, he wrote me, he Says, said, you know, <laughs> I'm making progress, but I'm going to have to ramp it up a lot if I'm going to be ready for Sunday. Am I speaking on Sunday or not? And, you know, I had one of those moments where I really felt like, you know, I, I, I just needed to speak, but at that point in time, I really didn't have a word, you know, and um, so I told him, no, that I would speak, and I really began to ask the Lord just to, to, to grant me some insights in the midst of this journey, you know, it's not some of you have had it far worse, but it's it certainly has been an emotional roller coaster for about a month now, and um, mixed with some highs and some lows and a lot of grief and a lot of ministry and et cetera. And you know, and 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 I've been wor- reading through a book, and there was really just kind of a throwaway throwaway line in the book. He was re- the author was referring to a sermon and he had heard by an old preacher. He was actually saying that. It's one of the few sermons you could actually remember. That's the saddest part. Probably you don't remember very many of the messages that I've preached. And to tell you the truth, there are times that I struggle to remember some of the ones that I've preached myself, you know, because there's so many of them. And, and yet this one statement he made in there. He said, you know, sometimes we're not careful enough to watch God's grammar. And, um, and I've really gathered my thoughts today based upon the journey I've been on over these last few weeks. And it's related to God's grammar. You know, it's we 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 really need to be careful at times to mind our own punctuation. Now that may sound strange to you. I, I was never much of an English student. I mean, I could do college calculus, watching Hogan's Heroes, and still get A's in the class. But when it came to English, you know, I was actually when I was considering applying to uh, a Ph.D. program, I had to take the GEDs and. The only grade that they were really score they were really interested in was the language side, and that was my worst score. I did better on all the other stuff than I did on that, but you know, so it's not one of my strong suits, and I have to suggest to you that for many of us spiritually it's not our strong suit either. That, you know, there's a sense where we often want to take where God puts a period. And we want to put a comma. Or we want to put a question mark or well, we want to put a dot 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 and kind of wait to see what happens. And really I I challenge us today to to watch our grammar spiritually. You know um when I got back from Florida I I went up to the hospital and and saw Carol and her family and and um you know that that next night they had to do surgery on Carol and, and they took out a, a piece of the bone in her skull to relieve the pressure and as has happened on a number of nights, somebody from Hope Chapel had brought up a meal and so most of the those that are gathered were, were out in the lobby and, and I happened to be in there with just Melissa, their 22-year-old daughter. She just graduated from college. I think she's right at 22. And Melissa was sitting in the chair next to the bed and she was holding her mother's hand. You know, and, and then Mostly, she was talking to her mother. To a certain extent, she was probably talking to herself. And in some ways, I was just eavesdropping as I stood at the end of the the bed and was kind of praying over the situation. And and Melissa made a statement, something along these lines. She said, you know, I wonder what it is that God's going to teach us through all of this. He's certainly got a plan. That's a pretty profound statement from a 22-year-old, especially looking at her mom, lying in a bed, bandages all over her head, unable to move her left leg or her left arm, and not able to see out of her left eye. And while I was in Rwanda, I tried to stay in touch as best as I could. I called Kevin two or three times from Rwanda. I have a little Rwandan cell phone. It's... Plastic. You know, it's cheaper to call the United States from Rwanda than it is for us to call Rwanda from the United States. You know, maybe that's because you get 685 francs to the dollar. I don't know. But anyway, so I I try to stay in touch. And and, in one of those journeys, I was was talking to Christina, and she had just been in conversation with Kevin. And, you know, Kevin's been amazingly strong. He's one of our elders, and and he's been amazingly strong. But you can imagine, you know, when your, your wife of... 20-plus years, in many ways you're still in the prime of your life, lying in a bed, unable really to move, certainly not able to move herself. And and there's times when he just has a rough day with it, and he was having a tough day. And uh, he was telling Christina about it, just some of his wrestling and et cetera. And, and in the background, Christina said she could hear Carol's voice saying, God's not going to give us more than we can handle. Now, Carol's the one lying in the bed. She, she's, a, she's the one of the middle, but she, she, you know. And now, you often hear that that's not a direct quote of Scripture, but it picks up the tone of Scripture, in my opinion. You know, the, the Scripture says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It doesn't mean that we can jump in front of a train and not get run over, but it, but inside of the will of God, what God wants us to do, we can do everything through Christ who strengthens us. You know, or that passage where it says, you know, there's no temptation that's overcome us. There's no test that's overcome us that's not common to all of us. And with it, that God has given us the way of escape. We have a way to get through it in a spirit where we're faithful. And here was Carol who's lying in the bed trying to encourage her husband about the journey they're on spiritually. And it it brought to mind to me a passage of Scripture that we love to quote. But I got to tell you, Often when we go to this passage of Scripture, instead of letting God put the period, we want to put a question mark. And that passage is Romans 8.28. I'd love for you to turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8 if you would. If you're, if you're using one of our pew Bibles that's up underneath your chair and the chair in front of you, it's, it's on page 962. This is the beginning of, of just a tremendous passage of Scripture to us all the way down through the end of the of the chapter. Speaking about the the, just the unthwartable purposes and plan of God, that there's nothing that can separate us from His love. And Paul starts it off. Now, this is God speaking to us through the Apostle Paul. He says, We know that all things work together for good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. Period. Not question mark. Period. Now, some humans might say, well, it's easy for you. You're standing up in the pulpit, and you can move both legs, and you can move both arms, and you can see out of both eyes. And it's easy to think about the fact that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose, because you're not the one lying in the bed. And we get in those moments where we want to turn the periods into question marks. Is God really working for good? You know, if you go on in these couple of verses, you know, He talks about the fact that God, God foreknew us. He... he He's got his hands on us, he's got a plan for us, and then he predestines all of our days so that you and I can be conformed into the image of his son so that Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers. God's got a plan, and it's always for our good, period. Not question mark. Now, perhaps a lot of our struggle is because of the way we define good, right? We, we think about good as, as, as you know, what, what, what brings us pleasure. You know, it, what what's good is what's pleasurable. We have a good meal. Does that mean that it tasted terrible? No, I mean it tastes good. It's pleasurable to us, and that's the way we think about it. Or, or we think about good being, you know, in the sense of enviable. We all have people in our orbit, so we look at it and say, "Man, they're living a good life, right?" It seems like everything just seems to turn out golden for them, and and we, you know, and and, and that's the way we kind of divine divine good is is that being enviable, that which we we would want for ourselves, that which makes us happy, if you will, what makes us successful in the eyes of the God, but in in the eyes of the world, but that's not God's agenda. God's agenda is to work for our good so that you and I are actually shaped into the image of God, period. And we need to mind our punctuation. No matter what journey we're on, whether you're struggling with what might turn out to be a lifelong physical situation like Carol or whether you've got struggles with one of your kids or with a parent or whatever, Wh- whatever your journey is, whether it's at this point it seems to be all be turning up roses, God is working for your good, period. Not question mark, period. It's a powerful word to us. We need to mind our grammar when it comes to these things. The second is, lesson really kind of emerges out of my my time in Rwanda. You know, I've, I've been going over to Rwanda since 2010. First went on a vision tour, just kind of see what the need was, see where we could fit in, where I could fit in. And so since 2011, I've been going and teaching. And for the most part, I've been teaching the same core nucleus of about 55 to 60 pastors. And so this past week, I got a chance to, to, to um, a week ago, ended last Friday, a week ago Friday, I had a chance to teach them the book of Acts. It was a wonderful compliment. To, Frank Reynolds who has been going over more frequently than I that since he's retired from from the pastoral ministry and and he w- was teaching them the gospel of Luke so we put the kind of the, the rest of the story on it with the book of Acts and and so this is you know, I got a couple of photos to show you this is this is my classroom so these guys sat in those plastic chairs and that's better than the benches they have in most of their church buildings these are the good chairs okay you know and um they sat in those chairs from eight in the morning until five in the afternoon and uh, you see there's a brick structure in the in the in the uh, background there that's actually the house that I stayed in and so did all fifty of them there was a couple of other small structures on the property so all of us were right there together and I did have my own room I had a bathroom that they kind of let left just for me and it had what passes for a hot shower or a Rwanda which is Just a little bit of a trickle that comes (laughs) out of the pipe that's hanging out of the wall. Just enough to get the soap off, and it's not cold, so it was great. And um, so I taught these guys uh, all week, standing right there. The guy standing next to me, his name is Stephen. He did the vast majority of the translation through the course of the week, and was great to work with. One day we had a special student show up. I think that's in our next slide. And... um, Somebody had brought the goat into the yard to cut the grass. So the goat was wandering around the yard eating the grass and stuff off the trees and et cetera. And it started to rain. And the goat didn't want to get wet. So the goat wandered into our tent. And I had just given the guys an assignment. I think they were breaking down one of the sermons that we find in, in the book of Acts. And and so the goat, it must have been in there for 20, 25 minutes with us. It, I'm not... I'm really kind of more of a city slicker, I guess. And so at one point, I mean, the, the goat just had something big protruding from its side. And I was asking the guys, I said, is this goat just really fat or is it pregnant? And they said, well, it's pregnant. You know, you, and you could actually see the, the goat kind of turn out and you could, his hiney sticking out of the side. It was really kind of weird. But anyways. Um, <laughs> but I want you to point out, you see this guy in a really kind of bright purple shirt. Just to his right and our left is a guy by the name of Elijah. Elijah is 77 years old. He's been pastoring churches in some form or another for 60 years. He, he's, he's about the only guy in the whole group who never falls asleep when I'm teaching. And, um, and he's just full of questions. We'd have lunch break, and he'd come in, and he'd sit down where I was, and he'd get Steve, and he'd just start asking me more questions, you know. And here's a guy, 77 years of age. He came to know the Lord at the, at, 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 uh, in revival in the DRC in the 1950s, and he was telling me that when he, when he gave his life to Christ, God instantly gave him the ability to read and write. He had never been to school. And when he tested to start going to school, he tested somewhere between the third and the fourth grade, and they put him in, and, and he did his five years to complete the, 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 the eighth grade, and then he started teaching. And his first church was he worked with guys who were cowherders, so they'd be in a certain area for a while, and then they'd eat up all the grass, and then they'd just move. They'd just move the church and the cows, and they'd go somewhere else. He's been pastoring for 70 years, just a tremendous experience and uh, so to, to, to watch him. I think I have one more slide here. Th- these are uh, the majority of, uh, of the guys that we are sponsoring to go back to school. It costs us $350 a year for these guys to go to, to back to high school. All of these guys are in secondary school, which is not free in Rwanda. You have to pay for it. Three of them could not come because their teachers would not let them out of their classes. Now, this is, this is, it's not like they're going to class on Monday night and Thursday night, right? These guys are going to school Monday through Friday all day long, okay? So that means their wives are not only doing all the household stuff and cooking the meals, they're also doing all the farming and everything else. And these guys have years to do this, but tremendous group. And the guy standing immediately to my right, his name is Aron. And uh, he lives in Gassini, which is right on the border with the DRC. And he is he is actually in what they call Senior 7, I think. Senior 6 or Senior 7. He's in the last year of high school. He's going to graduate in December. So, uh, And he's already got two kids who have graduated from college. And he's getting ready to graduate from high school. Just a tremendous group. And you know, um, so I had a pleasure of teaching these guys the book of Acts. And, and, and the way it works is I teach for 30 minutes and then they just pepper me with questions for 30 minutes. That's, that's the way it works. You know, and, um, and uh, our, our contact, Theophil, he refers to it as the stoning. I teach for 30 minutes and then they stone me for 30 minutes, you know. And uh, the questions go on and on and etc. It's great stuff. But I got to tell you, watching from 2011 to now, their questions have gotten much better over the years much more insightful they're, they're they're understanding the text better but we're going moving through the book of acts and we were in acts chapter 5 some of you remember that's the story of Ananias and Sapphira right in you know, the church it's one church in the entire world it's just a Jerusalem church it's pure it's powerful and God is doing some incredible things among them. And as a part of that, from time to time, some people were meeting needs, opportunities in the body by selling an asset, selling a piece of land or a house or whatever. And they were bringing the proceeds and giving it to the apostles who were using it to further the work of the kingdom. One couple, Ananias and Sapphira, did the same thing. But when they brought their gift, they, they, they brought part of it, but they presented it as all of it. They said, you know, we sold our house for X amount of dollars and here's all is when they would actually sell it for a lot more than X. And so immediately, you know, God strikes them dead. First, Ananias, you know, Peter says to him, you know, did you sell your land for such and such a price? And he said, yes, I did. And he said, well, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And immediately Ananias drops dead. Then three hours later, Sapphira, his wife, comes in. She doesn't know her husband has died. And they ask her the exact same question, and she, she also commits to the same lie, and immediately she drops dead. So we're teaching through this, and I'm trying to explain as best I can, and we're all grateful that doesn't happen in our own churches and et cetera. And, you know, and, and, and the first question that's asked is, did Ananias and Sapphira go to heaven? Good question, right? Good question. Draws into focus. God's grammar. Draws into focus God's grammar. You know, because the Scripture says that for it is by grace that we are saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Period. Now, they were struggling with the fact that Ananias and Sapphira had unconfessed unrepentant sin in their lives. They weren't given a chance to repent and confess. They were immediately struck dead. So what does that mean for their salvation? And so you you wrestle with the issue is, is having all of our sin fessed up and repented of a requirement in order to be able to... That makes it a work, right? And so they're struggling with this issue of where do you put the punctuation? And i got to tell you, I, I think that's a struggle that we have in the States. Many of us, I mean, the Scripture says, For the wages of sin is death, comma. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Period. All of us are at a place after the wages of sin is death, comma. That, that means that situation can and hopefully, prayerfully, will change as we embrace God's free gift. But when we embrace God's free gift, we receive eternal life, period. The only issue with Ananias and Sapphira didn't have anything to do with whether they had confessed or unconfessed sin and that kind of stuff. It had to do with whether or not they really had sincerely and genuinely, genuinely embraced the free gift of God that he had given them in Jesus Christ. But i got to tell you, there are many of us sitting in this room who wonder, who wonder, and we want to put a comma after the free gift of God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There there are many people who have heard the message of the gospel that God has given us this tremendous gift of salvation, and he puts a period after it. He died, he, you know... Christ died once for all, the just for the unjust, and yet we somehow or another want to make it where we have to die over and over and over again. We want to go back to those old days in the temple where every week they showed up with a fresh lamb to offer up as a, as a, in, in request for God's forgiveness of their lives. There are people who showing up at churches all across our country today who are taking the Eucharist or the communion or doing something else or, or serving their penance, listening to the pastor in the seat, somehow or another to earn God's forgiveness And we're turning God's period into commas. God has given us the most unimaginable gift of eternity in His Son. And He puts a period after it. And he wants us to live with it in its fullness and with it. It's, it's just its grace and, its, and the hope that it brings and the, and the joy. And he does not want us to be living lives to earn his love. He wants us to be living lives because we're basking in his love. And he puts a period after it. So we need to mind the commas and the periods. It, for the wages of sin is death. But that can change. That's why there's a comma there. It can change if we will embrace by faith the gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ. And when we do so, we have eternal life, period. Period. We need to mind our grammar and make sure it's consistent with the grammar of God. Just one last story. I, I, I got back last Saturday and, and went directly to, to Tampa and spent the week with with my family. And on Tuesday was a day that we had set aside to do my mom's funeral. It was a, it was a beautiful day. We used a, a funeral home that was literally just a a short par four from where they had lived for 20 years. I mean, you could literally just stand out in their dock and look down the coastline, and 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 just not even a half a mile away, and probably more like a quarter of a mile away, you could see. The, the funeral home where we did the service and it was a great response um, obviously a lot of family there and and then neighbors and things and you could tell that they were well loved by friends and by family and um, had the reception back at the house they have it on the market so it was totally empty and so we were able to enjoy the, the view one more time and then we went up that afternoon and and my mom was, since my father's a veteran, she was buried at a national cemetery in Sarasota, a brand new one. The vast majority of it is just totally empty. And it's amazing. They got the guys out there, and they the rows, lighting them up. And, but I got to tell you, we did a little graveside service underneath the vestibule. And then because we were the last ones of the day, and they were all caught up, they were going to immediately bury her urn. So we were able to stay and watch that. But, but I got to tell you, it's kind of interesting. You know, here, here's a woman who lived for 80 years four kids, traveled all around the world, China, Australia, you know, Israel, all kinds of, you know, that kind of stuff, and it all came down to her ashes in a urn about that big, and a hole in the ground about 18 inches, and they just laid it in, and then they slowly packed the dirt on top, and you wonder, is that really how life ends? Is that really how? Is that all there is? At the end of the day, after 80 years, you just, just a group of ashes and a nice-looking urn. It gets wrapped up in a clear plastic bag and it just gets stuck in the ground and it's over. You know, and and I had organized some thoughts for that day, around a number of things, but part of that was from the Book of Thessalonians. It's actually a text that I use for a part of. One of the funerals I did here, you know, and in First Thessalonians chapter four, as Paul is writing to this church at Thessalonica that's concerned about what happens to the Christians who have died before Jesus returns and that kind of stuff, he said, "We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will grieve like the rest who don't have hope." And this, listen to what he says: "Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again." in the same way God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus, period. Period. It's going to come a moment in, 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 when the trumpet's going to sound and the twinkling of an eye, we're all going to be changed, period. You know, and, and, and as I, I thought about that, I, I'm, I'm going to grieve for myself. I've lost somebody I care about a lot. My mother was special. I'm going to grieve for my father. Not in very good health. He's 80 years old. For the first time in his life, he's living on his own. Sister's a half mile away, but you know how that is still. You know, and and not sure he really should be driving, et cetera. There's just a lot of issues. I'm going to grieve for him. But I'm not going to grieve for my mother. because She's got a whole lot better than the rest of us. You know, as, as Paul said, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and that's what I would prefer, period. Period. And many of us are living our lives like we're trying to play both sides of the equation at the same time. We, we, we have this hope in eternity. Somehow we're all going to be changed eventually, but just in case not, I'm going to play life by the world's standards because I don't want to lose. And we're putting dot, dot, dots where God has put a period and said this is the way it is and this is the way it will be. But there was one more that just came to me. You know, we're, we're getting ready to embark on this journey of, of just trying to learn how to, uh, to pray a little bit more like God wants us to. You know, and, and there's a passage in the book of James. It says that the, the intense prayer of the righteous person has tremendous power. Period. And then he goes on to say, you know, Elijah was just like us. Elijah had to get up in the morning. He had to put his pants on one leg at a time. He had to tie his shoes. He he had to eat breakfast. He had to, you know, clean up. He was just like us. He's a person just like us. And he prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and it started pouring. the, The intense prayer of a righteous man is powerful to change things. Period. The only place is... There's a question mark after us. Will we pray that way? And we need to mind our grammar in the way we live our lives, and our trust in God's good plan, in His hope, and in His salvation. And so if I really have an appeal to you today, is where do you need to change your punctuation in the way that you're living your life Spiritually. Because God's got a whole lot of periods that we're trying to change into something else. Let's pray together for just a minute. God, when you speak it, it becomes certain. And our challenge is to believe it and to settle it. God, show us where we need to change the punctuation. Where we need to embrace the comma after the wages of sin is death and allow you to change us by receiving your free gift. And experiencing eternal life both here and for all eternity as you seal it with your period, with your exclamation mark. God, grant us faith to trust no matter what's going on in our lives, whether it's something we can enjoy or something right now we just seem to be enduring for us to be able to embrace the fact that you're working for good. Every single second, every single minute, every single hour, every single day, every single month, every single year. And it never changes. God, help us to embrace your grammar. We pray it in Jesus' name.